Hello and welcome again to Just for Farmers yet again. I'm with the legend that is Paul Harris. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Good morning, David. Very good. Thank you. Uh, I see you're based in your office. I'm in my office. We're not together today. But actually, this could work well because today's session is going to focus predominantly on presentation skills in the first half. You've got a guest interview in the second half. But in the first half, we're going to talk about how you present yourself. Now, I'm not talking on the farm or standing in the field talking to the crows. What I'm on about here, because we all know you do that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, to, we're going to talk about the opportunities farmers have to actually present themselves to better their business. This could be a talk at young farmers. It could be going into local schools, uh, giving uh, a short talk to assemblies or careers events to try and engage a future workforce on your farm. It could be at a black tie dinner for your farming association. It could be at the county show. It could any opportunity you have to present yourself, your farm or your industry in a favorable light where you need or want to make a great impression. But actually, sometimes our nerves get the better of us. Paul, have you ever been to a farming event where you've seen farmers with great content to share who sadly don't come across very well because they don't know what they're doing? Well, I think it's, I mean, almost why would we want to talk about this, really? It is because we all know as farmers we've got to get out there and present the industry and often our own farm um, to the wider audience. You know, we often complain as farmers that the public don't understand what we do. They, they don't understand our farming practices. Well, particularly if we're going to engage the next generation, as you just said, David, we, we need to get out there and, and have the opportunity to maybe talk. And there are so many opportunities, as you just listed, to talk. But it's not something necessarily that any of us have done before. I mean, you and I have, because we're both public speakers, but for many people who are working on a farm, running a farm, they've perhaps never even done a little talk before. And I think, you know, you as a speaker, Dave, you speak regularly, I speak regularly on stage. We know it's really easy to come across really well, <laughs> but it's also really easy to come across really badly. And, yeah. and I know you'll give us some great tips and I'll chip in as well as to how just maybe half a dozen things that people can think about um, if they are going to do uh, a talk. I know what my first one is, David. Go on. Planning and preparation. You know, I now think, <laughs> you know, I think in terms of if you're going to make a talk or whatever, one of the things is that, yeah, when you said, have you ever seen someone do it badly? It's often the person that is clearly winging it. <laughs> that, and hey, we've all wung it at times. Is there, is there a phrase called wung it? I'm not sure. Wung, that's a it new one. Brummies have just created a new phrase called Wungish. We um, will now I, call it Wunging. <laughs> <laughs> I think the correct English would be winged it, wouldn't it? Not Wung. Um, but we've all seen people who've winged it in the past. And it's obvious, isn't it? You know, yeah. even yeah. the most skilled presenters don't get away with uh, winging it. So so what are your thoughts, David, on, on the importance of, of preparing and planning? What do you do, for instance, if you're going to be speaking in a school or something like that? How do you plan and prepare for a talk? Well, I think it'd be great for us to share what we both do for that. But before we do that, let's just take a, a little sidestep on what you've just said there, because I agree planning preparation, or as I would call it, rehearsal, is the only reason why anybody would be nervous giving a presentation. There's, 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 a, there's an expression in the armed forces that 
Uh, it, it's it's all the P's. The hmm, poor planning leads to hmm, <laughs> You know, you probably heard it before. I've heard so, it. Is it in my presentations? Yeah. Yeah. So, present presenting, speaking in public, is a skill. It's a skill. I don't know about you, Paul. Myself, up until the age of thirty, the thought of giving a presentation, even virtually like this, would have terrified me to my core. And I remember when I first gave my presentations as a speaker in 2000 that I used to be physically sick with nerves in the toilet before giving the presentation. I would shake like a leaf. My mind would go blank. You know, you get in the mind fog where no matter how many times you've rehearsed it, your mind just seizes up. And there's there's a there's a there's a phrase for that. It's an actually scientific fact as to why it happens. But the only reason we experience that paralysis of fear is because we haven't rehearsed it and planned and prepared properly. And if it's only a skill, would you agree, if you're watching and listening to this, that you would not expect an apprentice on your farm to just jump in a tractor and plow the field properly? Exactly. And I think you're, you're and almost the opposite is true as well of that, is that when someone does plan or prepare it can have a profound effect on the people receiving the message. I've had, I Just what came to mind when you were talking then, David, I remember the reason I got a promotion in one of my very early parts of my career was I was asked to do a, a presentation. I was a very young sales guy and I was um, we were at the, a big conference. Um, and what was fascinating was that um, I'd been asked to do a little, a small talk on, on my job, what I was doing. Uh, and the way I did that and I planned it, I hadn't really done much public speaking at all at that stage. I didn't even know what the answers were, how to do it properly. But I did do a bit of thinking about what I wanted to say. And it actually transpired that I got a promotion on the back end of how I did that presentation. People were so impressed that I was able to speak. to hear it. And I had quite a bad stutter in my 20s and 30s as well. So I was able to, uh, but purely because I'd just given a bit of thought <laughs> to what I wanted to say. And therefore, I wasn't stumbling. I wasn't looking for notes. I was just able to speak freely and people were quite impressed. So actually getting it right can have a profound effect, not only on your career, but particularly on how that message comes across to, to other people. Now, that's all good. That there's one thing, in my opinion, that comes even before the planning, even before the prep and the rehearsal. That? And that's knowing why you're going to speak. What is the outcome you're trying to achieve? What is it you're trying to say or get the audience to do as a result of your talk? You know, if it's a, if it's a, um, a father's speech at a wedding, you know, you're after something light, entertaining, a little bit heartwarming. If it's at a, a trade association event, you want to come across as a competent, sincere, professional who's an authority or an expert on the thing you're talking about. So here's the first rule if you're talking about your farm stuff, right, industry stuff. Don't give a presentation unless you know what you're talking about. Even if you're asked to and you're very flattered and humbled at the invitation, only ever talk about stuff you know about because then you're more likely to be competent and confident in doing so. So understand why why am i presenting what is this i'm trying to achieve what is it i'm trying to say what is the desired outcome i want from this presentation what do you want people to do how do you want them to think or behave differently and that should determine everything you do in your planning content creation structure of the presentation and its delivery what's uh, is there something in that 
thinking and planning and what you're going to say in knowing your audience as well, David? That is a great help. Although I would assume that. Um, by the way, I don't mean I don't mean personally knowing them, as in <laughs> all your friends in the audience. What we mean by that phrase, knowing your audience, isn't you've got to know everybody in the room. Just explain what we mean by knowing your audience, David. Good, good point. Well made, Paul. Yeah, it knowing your audience helps. Now, f- farming, you probably understand the wants, needs, and challenges, and successes of the people in your audience because they're like you in many ways but as paul alluded to in earlier editions we are all different as well Mm -hmm. so if you understand your audience what have a chat to them before the event even over coffee or a beer before you give the talk don't have too many beers before a talk there's a lesson from bitter experience um but but understand what their needs, wants, desires, challenges, recent successes are. Understand what they want rather so about, than what you want. So, so how about if we're going into a school, Dave, and we're, and we're, we're, we're going to be talking, or a school or a college perhaps, <laughs> and we want to be talking about what a farming career might look like. Now, we're not going to – so the audience doesn't necessarily – hasn't been on a farm it maybe knows about farming if it's an agricultural college but how about if we're going into our local school and you do a lot of this talk speaking in local schools maybe an urban area where we're trying to introduce the concept of farming to um uh, the audience who would we speak to then would it be the the teacher or the organizer of the event to make sure we're aligned with what they're trying to achieve from say a careers evening or something like that is that who you would say you would talk to I, I would certainly speak to the teachers, even see if you could maybe jump on a Zoom call and uh, have a chat with a couple of the students beforehand mm-hmm. in your circle of friends and family outside of the farming industry who have got teenage kids who or early 20s, depending upon where you're going to talk, who who you could just have a 10 minute phone chat with to say, what's your assumptions about the farming industry? And you don't don't challenge them, don't criticize their assumptions or opinions, because what they're thinking is probably representative of many of those young adults and their generation. Mm-hmm. So that's what you can address. So you, with confidence, can say, I had a chat with 10 young people before this presentation. What they were telling me was X, Y, Z. I'm here to perhaps suggest to you that it's A, B, C rather than X, Y, Z. And then you can competently and with confidence tell people what it is you want to get across so is it is it good in a and i'm particularly thinking about speaking in schools and, and colleges because that's something that we're as an industry we're recognizing we perhaps need to do is it about thinking about the types of questions and assumptions the audience might have particularly around farming and then addressing those as part of the structure of your talk i suppose the other part of planning is what's the structure of what you're going to say and would would be answering questions that you think people might have a good way of structuring the talk <laughs> it's it, we haven't by the way paul and i haven't gone deep into this and paul is literally reading my notes for me <laughs> <laughs> shows you're a professional speaker paul yeah <laughs> um, so the, again before we do this i'd reiterate why are you going into that school college university farm farming place you know what what, what college what 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 is it you're trying to achieve why are you giving the talk if it is to raise awareness of farming locally the industry or indeed try and engage some young people to come and work on your farm everything you do in the structure and the creation of content should lead to making farming and your farm 
appear as cool a place to work as possible. That's the outcome to engage them to want to go into farming on your farm. If it's different, you need to suggest things differently. Now, here's, here's another quick question, Dave. Sorry to interrupt you because I'm just thinking about the people that might be listening to this. I think something else about um, when we're thinking about how we're going to come across, because this is all in the, we haven't even got as far as the talk yet, we're just talking about the, the planning yeah. stage, really. How important, and this is a leading question because it is important in my eye, is tone. So, what I mean by that is a lot of the general public will think that farmers are grumpy. We moan all the time. So when someone challenges us in a talk, have we got to think ahead of how we're going to respond to that, say positively? So if someone says, "Oh, it's you know, it's just it's a boring job, isn't it?" We don't say, well, "No, it isn't a boring job." How do we respond and and do our thinking ahead of a talk as to some of the questions that we might get asked? Okay, the the way to handle this is by asking yourself. If you were a young person sat in that room, remember, you are desperate for you to be good. Yes. You are, that There is not a single audience in the world that when a speaker stands up to give a presentation, they go, oh, I hope they're really bad. <laughs> no, nobody. I, I bet none of you listening to this have ever gone to the cinema, the theatre, or to a conference where you've gone, oh, I hope this is really bad. You might assume it's going to be bad, but you wouldn't want it to be. You're desperate for it to be good. So remember, they will be massively, pleasantly, positively surprised if you speak to them and listen to them, ask them great questions, and don't have a go at them because their ignorance is not their fault. It's the fault of the industry for not getting across <laughs> what's true. And that's so, the case, not just for young people, isn't it, Dave? It's the case yeah. whenever we're standing on stage, and, and particularly if the talk does involve a question, a Q&A, as it's often called, a question and answer session at the end, it's really important that we don't come across as defensive or aggressive or don't like yeah. the question, is to maintain that that calm and positive. Uh, and I know we're talking almost now about delivery here, but I think in terms of the planning of a talk is being prepared for maybe some of the tricky questions that people might ask and having an answer sort of ready. So you do then, you're not winging it or you haven't won it, as I said earlier on. Wunged it, yeah. <laughs> We're not winging it. <laughs> is we've got an answer that just flows naturally and therefore sounds more confident and, 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 and positive. And what you've just said there, Paul, isn't just relevant to giving a presentation. It's even chatting to your team on the farm. In a farm, in a team meeting, your your tone can determine how the information is received. Mm -hmm. If I was to say to you, uh, Paul, you've you've got a bit of an untidy office there behind you. Thank you, Dave. I'm sorry. Tidied it up. The whole tone and the demeanour, and it, it mm -hmm. sounded off, it, it, it appeared off. If I was to go, oh, Paul, you might want to just improve the that, that, that pile of books on the shelf over your shoulder there, that will look so much better next time. And if farmers listen to this, I go, well, I don't want to do that. I haven't got time. Well, okay, if you haven't got time and you don't want to engage your team to be better, then maybe you shouldn't be a leader. Mm -hmm. Because remember what Paul said in a previous episode, you know, the only reason people leave typically is not because of the job, it's because of the leadership. 
Yeah, yeah. Just one little tangent on that. I was talking to a farmer this week because, you know, we like to ramble, don't we, Dave? Uh, one of the things that, things that I was saying this week is um, and it's it's similar to this idea of giving presentations is that it's very easy when you're sitting in a management team for people to what I call point outside the room and say, all those people out there are not working properly. We've got rubbish staff. They're, they're not functioning. They're not doing this, not doing that. And I sat with them and I said, where's the solution to that? And they all sort of looked around themselves. I said, it's in this room. It's in this room that the solution to the performance of the team exists, not outside the room. It's the leadership team that absolutely are going to change it. So how we come across, therefore, when we're out presenting and speaking is not about somebody asking me a tricky question. I didn't like that very much. It's actually, okay, how I respond to that question. So here we're talking about planning and preparation. So what's after that day? So we've got... We've planned, we've prepared, we've got, we've thought about the questions. What's the next stage in terms of, you know, getting ourselves ready to do a good talk? Okay, so so now we're actually going deep into the structure of your content. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I would strongly suggest that people start with a very simple model that was given to me by a legend in the speaking world in the UK called Peter Roper, who specializes in family businesses. And he's a consultant in family business development. And Peter is a bit of an, an old school legend in the world of speaking. And he said, David, when, you pre- when you're structuring a presentation, there are three things you need. And this is very high tech. For those who are listening to this, I'm holding up a piece of paper with a marker pen on it. Um it's a start, a middle, and an end. So every presentation will benefit from you preparing a talk like this. Every time. No ifs, no buts. Try and prove it wrong. I dare you. Right? There's a gauntlet. So most people say, yeah, you've got to have a start, you've got to have the middle, and you've got to have an end, obviously. So, so what's the difference, Dave? What's a start, what's a middle, and what's an end? Okay, well, the start, you need you need to start strong. So if you start really sort of fumbling your notes, uh, apologizing for being there, saying, oh, I don't really give talks, I'm really sorry, or or even if you're reasonably competent, but you start your presentation by go, hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Trevor and I'm from Doobie Doo. All of a sudden, you've just lost half of the room and you've got to win them back. So the idea is that if you're there to serve people, now by that, I mean, you're not there for you. You are there to be of value to people in the room. And anybody with integrity should want to do that. You should want to be of service. So when we're speaking, we're not necessarily there for us. We're there to help, to serve people. The only way we can do that is if we're being our best. So you need to start strong. You need to finish really strong. The middle is your bulk content. And if you know what you're on about, that should pretty much take care of itself. But most people, when they're starting preparing content, will write their beginning first, followed by the end, and then work on the middle. I suggest you do it the other way around. Peter says that you craft the last 60, 90 seconds of your presentation first. You must know, you must practice that until you can't get it wrong. Now, even if you're going to struggle for 45 minutes to an hour of presentation, anyone can craft two minutes. So craft that two minutes around what we talked about earlier, your desired outcome. Why are you there? What do you want them to do? How do you want them to think, feel, and behave? So the last thing should be 
this is what I've talked about today. This is what I want you to do today. Thank you very much. Or maybe finish with a story, a true story, because stories are great for getting content across um, that emphasizes your key point. I worked with a farmer who did, 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 did. I've got someone on my farm who did, 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 did. I overcame this problem by did, 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 and tell a story. But whatever you do, finish strong because people will remember that. Once you've worked out your conclusion, then work out your opening and craft that opening 60 seconds, 90 seconds until you can't get it wrong and hit them with a pow. Start with something different to hello, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Start with a statistic, a shocking story, a truth, a con be contrary even, but not, not deliberately. I mean, be contrary, challenge the norm, challenge convention. You could even... Going back to what Paul said earlier, if you're going into education sector to talk to a future workforce, don't start with, hello, I'm Joe, I work on a farm locally. Start with, most people assume farming is not a career. And then stay silent for five seconds. That silence shows an absolute command. People go, oh, they're confident. Because most people fill silences with awkwards, ums, ers, and, 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 and shuffling with their hands in their pockets. Just stand there silently. Let that comment land. And then go into your opening. Now, if you've prepared your close, you finish strong. If you've prepared your opening and you start strong, let's talk about the middle. The middle should also have a start, middle, and end. So introduce what you're going to talk about, know how you're going to lead into your close, and the middle is your your structure. Talk about, um, if you're talking about um, different seed and crop rotation, if you're talking about management of machinery, if, you, if you're talking to a future workforce, talk about the career prospects within farming and the opportunities to learn and grow and why your farm is better than stephanie's down the road and talk about the content but have that start middle end structure in your head create the end first so you finish strong practice it till you can't get it wrong so whatever happens you finish strong then create the opening then work on the middle and even the middle should have a start middle end and pause it the, the, the people listening or, or watching and by the way there's a really ironic thing here uh, for those who are listening my office the light goes off it's an automatic one and i thought what a great metaphor we've got to be careful in the middle that the light doesn't go off that you don't lose people so i'm just going to move a second and just turn my light back on again it's one of these automatic lights well what a metaphor for a talk so it's, if you've got a strong start you've got a strong middle but the light goes off in the, in the middle part <laughs> then you can lose people so it's like how do we keep people um attentive and you mentioned stories and i think yeah. again to help just, just some small tips for for farmers out there you know i think when we open with something like you know i was talking to john at the at a, at a, at a young farmers uh conference and he failed at school he didn't think he got a career for himself he really didn't think he'd be able to make it even in farming but this happened and then you stop <laughs> you don't tell them what actually happened <laughs> then right at the end of the story is so let me bring you back to john who told me he didn't think he'd be able to have a career in farming and this is what happened he turned out to be my he's now my herd manager or he's now my arable manager or he he runs my combines for me 
whatever it is, often starting and ending a story, but not not telling the middle bit almost, um, can be yeah. a very powerful way to do it, can't it? So we've got then this middle bit, this sandwich in the middle. How do we structure that and make that interesting? Because we can be, if we're not careful, we can go off rambling on tangents. And how do we knit the whole thing together? Okay. I stopped the lights going off like it did in my. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you've heard this before, Paul, but even if you have, humor me, right? So I'm going to I'm going to do this to Paul. So, Paul, I want you to tell me very quickly about your favorite farm that you work with gosh that's unfair because i went well, i love all my clients day how can i possibly pick one out? <laughs> but, um if i pick a particular farm i can think of that popped into my head um they are a farm where it's a it's a farm where it's a grazing farm it's a dairy farm um where they are fully committed to their people okay um, I'll, pa- I'll pause you there i'll pause you there because what you did was you 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 said it so people will say what they want to say right and there are three types of speakers in this world and when we say things we're doing it from for us there's a difference between saying something and telling somebody right so the difference is in intent tone mannerism gesture facial expression right pitch musicality of the voice and then the third one is convince mm-hmm. <laughs> so people people go from saying things to telling people to convincing and that can purely be just down to the tone you use the level of certainty confidence you have in presenting the information and your desire to serve people rather than just feel good yourself Mm-hmm. remember if you're nervous that's because it's about you if you're going to help somebody you're never nervous mm. if you're going to serve somebody you, you're not thinking about you you're thinking about them mm-hmm. so if you're there to serve people and paul i'm going to put you on the spot now <laughs> he hates me um, <laughs> go for it go for it i don't want you to say it i don't want you to tell me i want you to convince me now convince me about this farm of yours go on oh i can see i think i can see where you're going with this dave i like it um well this is a, a group of people or oh, actually the farm owner absolutely gets the, the the need to lead his team and he's he's not only that he's he's brought all them in and we'll talk about alignment in another session maybe he's got his team fully aligned behind him and what he's done also he's listened to what we've talked about he's thought about it and now he's acting on it and that's right. why I love working for them it's a farm where they act on whatever <laughs> Well, that was better, wasn't it, Dave? <laughs> and 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 if you're listening to this, you could probably hear the difference in Paul's tone, yeah, conjecture, yeah. musicality, pitch, resonance of the voice. But if you're watching this, did you notice the difference in facial expression? He was smiling. His eyes were wide. He was using. He wasn't trying to use false gestures, pointy fingers. He it was all natural, and that's the point we're making here. When you go in service and convince people you're naturally the best you can be. If you're telling people, that could come across bad. And if you're just saying it, well, would you want to just listen to someone that's just saying things? Wouldn't you love someone who is absolutely convincing? Mm. 